Welcome everybody to the fifth podcast. I believe it's the fifth. Um, this one just happened. I love that. It just happened. And it's about the fine line between ignorance and bliss. And I'm diving into a little bit more talk about karma <clears throat> and about drama <laughs> and pain, <laughs> all the juicy stuff, but also about bliss, um, yeah, it's, you know, different examples about being in a mode of survival, like basically having the fight and flight mode on all the time, or being in a mode of thriving, which is uh, in a state of gratitude, basically. Um, according to what I know, but what do I know, really, yeah, okay, thank you for listening, I hope you enjoy this one, and uh, please hit me up if there is anything that you'd like to talk about, um, and these pods just flow as they flow, mm, yeah, I've been finishing up my book, also, I want to say, so if you're interested in that, some more transmissions, hit me up on my website and um, you can actually pre-book it or assist me to support it to get it out there. Much love, everyone. Enjoy. Hmm. All right, so... Hmm. My whole life, I was I was you know ready and able and willing to deal with whatever consequences came my way. I wasn't afraid of dealing with consequences. I was actually expecting consequences because I was taught at a very early age um the effect of <laughs> the law of cause and effect so to say. But where it gets twisted is that we're taught that we have to obey the circumstances. Not everybody's taught this. Not every um, one knows of this through experience. Not everybody's indoctrinated with this or has a cognitive response system where we respond on a mental plane and a physical plane and an emotional plane to... Uh, the circumstances being something that we need to adapt to, to survive, in order to survive. And that's where also it's very um, important to look at the aspect of why we need to adapt. If we feel a need to adapt to the circumstances, then we learn how to be flexible in order to survive. <clears throat> Perhaps there's a wish to thrive, but that comes way later after survival is done, right? But when is survival ever done as long as we're focusing on surviving, right? When we're starting to focus on thriving, we actually step into a different realm where the situation that is external is no longer as 
important to adapt to. In fact, the people who are thriving are the ones that are actually molding their circumstances to fit to them. Now, if you look at a spoiled child, a child that gets everything that they want and they wish for, a child that expects nothing but that wish which they desire, it is because they don't have circumstances telling them otherwise. They get everything that they expect to get. And perhaps someday they'll grow up and get a nasty surprise and see that life is not accordingly to their expectations. But however, there's a lot of people, though, that take advantage of, quote-unquote, take advantage of the system, take advantage of mm, their people around them, take advantage of their family, take advantage of the situation, take advantage of the circumstances in order to thrive. Because this is what they have been taught. This is the system that has gone into their body and bones and DNA even. So that they keep on thriving throughout generations because this is what they know. They do not know about survival. They've never been to a survival plane. They don't know what it feels like to live on the edge. And you know, we can talk about generations as um, a matter of DNA and karma, but we can also talk about um, the desire, you know, well, let, let's cut myself off here and just go back to um, the idea of having a soul, right? The idea of a soul incarnating over and over again into physical being to experience life a certain way, to reach a level of awareness and maturity within uh, karmic lessons, to evolve. Mm. Now, the soul doesn't care about survival because the soul is infinite, right? The soul is beyond, actually, a soul. The soul is not really a soul. It's spirit. It's just spirit, but reforming itself in, into various forms with memory imprints so that it recognizes itself as a form, and in this case, a soul. Um, and when it is a soul that recognizes itself throughout various of lifetimes, a soul gets indoctrinated by a desire as well a desire to learn certain things, to achieve certain things, to strive for certain experiences. And perhaps, you know, people say that, well, I like to live on the edge, you know. I like to test myself. I like to push my limits. I like to make an effort. Um, I like to really, you know, fight to... Um, I guess thrive, but more like fighting, fighting to, fighting to be, fighting to be. Um, but why is it so? Like, why is this, this idea, this idea of us, like, well, ooh, in my past lifetime, I did this and this and this, and so now I chose to continue on the path of 
thriving or continue on the path of surviving or continue on the path of fighting or continue on the path of um, living on the edge or continue on the path of living effortlessly in abundance, right? Because ultimately, why is that not what we all wish to choose? Like, why is that not the case for everyone here on earth? Like, why is not everybody living and thriving in abundance, you know? What's the matter? We have enough resources to go around if we can actually learn in awareness how to manage it. And there's a polarity to this because what I'm talking about here in thriving and surviving the two different, um, I guess, scenarios that I'm painting out, um, they are, you know, the two opposites of the same thing. They are uh, the two different polarities of the very same thing. And if we meet in the middle, the middle path, as the Buddha says, the middle path is actually the path of um, no struggle, no effort, yet balance and equilibrium, where all can connect. So, well, we have the case of the spoiled baby that grows up and one day in some way reaches a, a boundary and crosses a boundary and gets crossed by it and let's say has a tower moment and everything they knew of everything they felt was certain and secure and expected and what was thriving is now falling into pieces and crumbling and then they are in the case of having to survive so what does this individual do that doesn't know how to survive because everything has always been given to them <clears throat> well they make a choice so either they can sit and expect everything to come to them, which it will, depending on what they expect, I guess, what they require and acquire. Um, the question is, what is everything? If they feel and seek chaos, the more chaos will come. If they keep on seeing abundance, though, and keep on feeling that they're thriving, even as, you know, the bank, the stock market crashes and their house gets burned down and whatnot, you know, if they still feel that thriving sensation within them and still trust and have faith within them that everything will come to them or actually already is, and that thriving is actually a winning feeling because ultimately it will get them into a state of another form of thriving. And they will know nothing of surviving, you know, even if, as they crumble. There can also be the other case where somebody who has been fighting to survive for a very long time, you know, um, getting the bread on the table, so to say, um, really like hustling badass, like being down in the gutter and like really, um, not having any spare moment to, um, 
feel liberated um and all they know is that feeling of fighting to survive you know that um being on the defense um they come into a position where they get a lot of abundance and they keep on thriving let's say they win the lottery just like easy example they win the lottery they get a lot of money um and so what do they do with that money well they also have a choice either they can continue to feel that feeling of survival where this lack based behavior keeps on um getting looped over and over again where it's like oh i have a lot of money but i need to save oh i have a lot of, a lot of money but <clears throat> i need to feel secure <clears throat> or they go into a state of feeling that they're actually thriving and they go into relaxation and and letting go and releasing and um that will take them to a new form of experience um perhaps not knowing survival anymore but it takes a lot to change that imprint of having to survive if they had to survive for generations and with that being said it is not it is not a wonder that there are so many people on this planet starving it's not a wonder that there's so many people on this planet fighting to survive it's not a surprise at all that there's a lot of people that are still in survival mode and almost getting into greed and gluttony uh, when they get money um even as they are thriving not seeing it as thriving because they still have that imprint of needing to survive and there's very few if you look at it percentage wise that actually do feel that thriving sensation ongoing uh, a relaxation and a liberation within themselves where they don't have to focus on what will happen next or what will happen if or you know a fear based behavior and the reason why this is not a wonder the reason why why this is not a surprise is because if we look at it generation wise like karma wise you know history wise even because it all you know comes down to one thing um the main population of this planet has been in slavery for you know almost our entire modern history like the past i would say 3000 years or more if we go back further and no matter the theories regarding um regarding you know historical events there's a lot of theories saying you know we came from the aliens there's uh, what what is alien really that's another topic right alienated um well let's say we we came from external sources not from earth there's other planets that's 
other, other, um, sorry, other theories saying that, you know, the Darwin theory, for example, that we evolved from one thing into another and eventually became human. And then, you know, we became hunters and gatherers and then farmers and yada, yada. Mm. But there's always been this elite, right? Not always. There, for as long as we know, even in religion, if we look at religious texts, there has always been this elite running the show. And so everybody else who is not elite, who's not in the top of the hierarchy, are to some degree enslaved. And I would say even the people who are in the elite are enslaved by themselves without even knowing it. Uh, there are still very few. I mean, you know, there can be a farmer that felt very thriving for a long time and passed it on to generations and kept on thriving and has nothing to do with being enslaved because he or she felt rich all through their life, no matter how it looked at on the outside, no matter the resources You know, you can feel rich with an apple. You don't have to have $50,000 on your account to feel rich. Um, you can feel rich with being by yourself in the desert. You don't have to have a yacht, you know, to feel rich. But some people do, you know. It depends on how you attach um, abundance and what also what you're cognitively trained with. But most of all, what the world around you is ingraining you with, what you are fed by um, media or um, reputation or myths, ideas, um, stories, basically, what the stories around you are telling you to be true and not, and whether you believe in that or not is up to you. And that's where it all changes. That's where it all changes. Because as long as we keep on believing that there is something better, there is something way more better than what is now, that there's something other that we can achieve to be better, to feel better, to even look better, um... And we keep on being in lack-based behavior. And it's not really like, I used to think this was a matter of faith, having faith and having hopes and, you know, keeping my faith high and keeping my um, spiritual practices. Like, you know, I guess in a way this also liberated me because it brought me here. Um, but... It's a very fine line, you know, uh, feeling at peace and being ignorant. <laughs> It's a really fine line <laughs> because being ignorant is very easy to do. Telling yourself that you are at peace with everything. Being ignorant is basically when you're ignoring the circumstances, <laughs> even though they are in your face And trust me, I've done that a lot. And I, I guess to a certain degree, I still do. And I'm working with that, you know. But, you know, we all have our, we all have our thing, right? 
um, where we can choose to step into awareness or not. And sometimes it's too painful to look at because, yes, the outside circumstances, they do reflect what is happening internally. But um, to know then that what is happening externally is happening because what is happening internally. So if there's still an ongoing thing that or ongoing theme in your life where you feel a fear or a lack of something, um, not being good enough in something, not being rich enough in something, not being fine-tuned enough, not being whatever enough, not being enough, not having enough, not like lack-based behavior, lack-based cognitive training, you are still enslaved. We are all still enslaved as long as we're in that um, state of being, as long as we keep on believing that we have to do something in order to be enough, in order to have enough. And so when we look at something outside of ourselves, a circumstance that shows, that tells stories to us that we don't have enough, we don't have enough of money, or we don't have enough of family, or we don't have enough of love, we don't have enough of food, we don't have enough of good looks, we don't have enough of wits, we don't have enough of, um, I don't know, education, you know, there's a lot of things that you want to have enough of, right? Um, when there's an external situation that tells us that, t feeds us a story that, when we choose to ignore it, and be ignorant, and say all is good, even though we feel that it's not, then we're just running from ourselves we're just postponing the situation we're prolonging the state of being ignorant and being relaxed though um because it is too painful to look at to see because in truth that thing that theme that reflects back to you reflects back to you because it is telling you everything you're telling yourself that's it that's all there is to it And so we're still feeling like, shit, I need to fix that. But what if we can accept that? Like, what if we can accept that? And how do you accept that? That's the thing, though. How do you change that DNA? How do you change that cognitive training of um, going from survival to thrival? Thrival? Is that even a word? <laughs> going from surviving to thriving. How do we change that cognitively? When we are indoctrinated by it, not not only we as individuals, not you as a mental being, but the physical imprint, the DNA imprint, the karmic imprint, the imprint of what we call soul, uh, lifetimes and lifetimes repeating patterns that are so deeply ingrained. How do we let go of that? Well, there's many methods, right? many methods and I and I can't I can't claim that I have any method <laughs> for you like there's no there's no golden key to that there's infinite amounts of methods there's infinite amount of tools there's infinite amounts of vices there's infinite amounts of mm, 
let's say, permission slips. There's infinite ways to give yourself permission to feel a certain way. And for a moment, change that state of being from lack-based to abundance-based, to to having enough, to acceptance, to state of being that just simply is. And it all boils down to, actually, it all boils down to, you know, getting rid of your ego. Like, what can I say? (laughs) You know, it all boils down to that. You know, if you are very attached to a certain theme in your life, which we all have, right? We are playing out these different themes in our life that we are attached to. It's because we have ego-based construct, like ego construct forming situations and forming the circumstances that we keep on adapting to. And therefore, we keep on creating it over and over again. Now... What I've come to learn is that when we come into a state of dissonance and we accept that dissonance, we say, oh yeah, I'm here again, okay, well, I gotta work better on this, I gotta change that, I'm not done with that yet, oh, you know, we recreate it over and over again. We say to ourselves, and so we recreate it, we say to the universe, to God, or whatever we choose to call it, we say to the isness, the it, uh, I am not done with this thing. Okay, the isness, which cannot really respond in that way, but let's say, you know, in a narrative way that it does, assists you through you to recreate it. If you, however, come into a state of being where you find dissonance, Let's take it back to that example of the person who was thriving and going in complete tower mode. Like when I'm saying tower mode, like it all falls down. Everything falls down. Everything that they have attached to feeling of abundance, the material world falls down or emotional world falls down or intellectual world falls down. Reputation wise falls down. Everything falls down. Shit goes down. Boom. Boom, boom, boom. And you feel still that you are thriving. You are met with what is perceived as dissonance. And you can still maintain resonance within you. You can still maintain a feeling of joy. Now that is empowerment. That is beingness. There you go. Then you're thriving. You don't need anything externally to thrive. You don't need anything. But if you, however, believe it, the dissonance comes at you like a big fucking tsunami wave hitting you in the face over and over again. You're like drowning. You're like, I'm drowning. <laughs> Yeah, I'm drowning. This is killing me. This is going to kill me. I'm going down, you know. Like I'm going to get to the bottom. Like, really, there's no bottom. You can't really hit the rock bottom. That's just a saying. You can go as low as you fucking want to. Like, there is no end to it. Just as there is no end to how high you want to get. 
But usually the highs comes with the low and the lows comes with the high. The equilibrium, however, is a more blissful state. And if you don't feel attached to whatever falls down around you, then you won't feel attached to losing it. Because you never were attached to it. You never lost it in the first place because you never had it. It was just there and then it wasn't. And then you feel a certain state of bliss in this equilibrium and you will continue to feel that bliss no matter the circumstances and the circumstances will adjust. But, you know, hypothetically, hypothetically, this doesn't really have to happen. This can't really happen if you continue to be in a thriving space. The terror moment won't really happen, you know, hypothetically. Um, to go back to what I said, to make it a more, um, another parable that is more, uh, I guess, here and now. Lately, I've been met with a lot of um, inputs from the surroundings, from people I trust a lot, and places that I felt very comfortable with, used to feel very comfortable with, and all in all, over and all, a lot of input uh, feeding me information, feeding my being information. And, you know, I just see it as self-checking in if this is going to be recreated or not, you know? <laughs> Um, checking in if I'm still buying into that or not. So to not get too personal, um, let's just say that I'm in a relationship and having a fight with a partner and the partner and I were like deep entrenched with this ego loop of... Oh, I did that, and you did this, and we did that, and we need to do this, and we need to change that, and we need to change this, and blah, 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 blah. And then, you know, this has actually happened. And then there comes a moment where one of us, or both of us, are like, stop, wait. Why are we even doing this? This is not true. I don't feel resonant with this, because this is not true. This is bullshit. I don't want to keep on recreating bullshit. I don't believe in this. And it doesn't come from a mental place. You hear me? It doesn't come from a mental place. It comes from a state of being. A state that just like puts up the hand and says, no, this is not it. This is not true. I don't believe in it. And you don't believe in it. So it's not going to happen. And what happens then is that poof, out of the blue, Everything changes and all the drama that was there, all the dissonance, all the fatigue and all the drainage and all of that lack of fear-based uh, thinking and feeling and feeding is gone. It's all gone. It went away. Why did it go away? Why did we reach an equilibrium? Because we really, within our spirit, empowered ourselves to not believe in it because it wasn't true that's the first point of origin for why we do feel dissonance because we are being fed something and input information 
that is not lie. It, it's not. It's not a truth. It's a lie, and yet we keep on purchasing it. We keep on buying into it. We keep on, you see, buying in, purchasing. We are giving away. We're like giving away our energy to receive more of that dissonance. That's how you buy into something. That's how you purchase a lie. Um, and it, you know, it might sound easy as I give these example, but it is really not when you're in it. And especially if you have a theme, let's say a soul theme or a karmic theme, it will keep on nag at you for a very long time, and it will be perhaps necessary to take on external methods because it's not easy to do it by yourself if you have a very stubborn theme and you have a very stubborn mind or stubborn surrounding or stubborn ego whatever is stubborn (laughs) not willing to let go not willing to change that cognitive uh, behavior I mean the deeper ingrained it is the deeper karma it is the um, more depth to it the, the more needs to be pushed up to the surface you know, we say that, you know, superficiality is not true. Well, actually, you know, super is super, right? It's something enhanced. Official, like when something is official or official, f- comes from face to face to facade. Um, facing something, it's the surface, surface. So sir is plus face. I don't know if you get me here, but it's the extra face. It's the extra layer on top of what is underneath. But really, what is that extra layer is reflecting what is underneath. And the more we push it to the surface, the more, not we, but the more it gets pushed to the surface, what is buried underneath, the more real it gets even that which we call superficial and the less superficial it gets so to say um so then you can be very easygoing and go on with your life and thrive in whatever environment you wish without ever being bothered by anything um calling you or you calling it superficial, including monetary abundance or um, emotional abundance. You know, people say that romance can be superficial or sex can be superficial or, you know, shopping can be superficial. All these behaviors that is called to be superficial stops to be superficial the moment whatever is bearing underneath the surface comes up and be and is cleansed but it takes a while to let go of that drama to let go of that trauma that has happened onto your cellular memory that is stored within you and your heritage for you know it can be generations, you know, they, they say in the indigenous tribes in Colombia, they say it is stored in seven generations back or even nine generations back. So imagine that, imagine, imagine that time frame 
of cognitive behavior, cognitive imprints. I don't know if you know about cognitive imprints, but theory of, theory of Pavlov's dogs, right? Where the dog, um, let's see, I don't even know about that myself. I totally forgot about that. Shit, the dog is, well, the dog is tr- trained that a certain, um, yeah, that's right. A certain sound, I think it is a whistle, a certain sound uh, signifies food. A certain signal signifies food. And so the dog is trained to know that because if it doesn't respond to it, it gets pain and it gets suffering. It suffers. So the natural response is to respond to the signal because you get a reward. It's the reward and, uh, what is it called? The reward and the punishment effect. That's the cognitive training, reward and punishment. So it's still based upon ego, right? Because only the ego can feel rewarded or feeling that they have achieved or it has achieved something, feeling successful in that regard or feeling that it has gained something or on the other hand feeling that it has lost something feeling that it is in lack because um beingness like isness state of being presence never is gaining nor is it losing it always simply is so it doesn't need any additives and it doesn't need any subtractions either so to say or subjects even um there is no need that's the equilibrium that's the bliss but on a physical you know plane it can be challenging to comprehend um or train retrain yourself regroup you know there's lots of methods like i said there's lots of ways to do it and you can do it in whatever way suits you you know you can even find your own method but really what is buried underneath the surface really needs to surface and what happens when something surfaces? well the shit hits the fan you know if you have a lot of suffering stored in your cellular memory if you have a lot of negative karma eating at you and at your family and at your life for generations it's like it's like a it's like a pimple right like a really old fucking pimple that just doesn't want to let go and it's just getting more and more and more and more ingrained within your being within your body within that which you embody and so you can press it but it goes downwards the more you press it. You just have to allow it to release. And once it released, well, all that yucky, mucky, gooey stuff needs to come to the surface. And when we talk about suffering, what is that suffering? Well, it's pain. It's pain. And so you need to in some way release the pain. I truly believe in that. 
And the more you release the pain, the less pain you will actually experience. And the less painful your existence will be and the more blissful you can be in a state of being. You don't have to be happy, snappy and smile and eat ice creams all the time to be in bliss. Like I said, you don't need anything to be in bliss. You don't even need to show the external world that you are in bliss if you are in bliss because then you are just it. You are it. And so it's a matter of response, call and response, right? How you're responding to the circumstances that is around you or how the circumstances is responding to what's going on internally inside of you. I mean, this is not news. This is something that has been spoken about for thousands and thousands of years. Um, I guess only now we're catching up on a larger scale, on a humanitarian scale. And so, well, that's very, uh, let's say it's about time, <laughs> you know, if it is happening, though. Sometimes I doubt it because... We still see so much suffering going on, right? And, you know, there was a part of me that used to believe that was totally mm, buying into the fact that uh, well, no, that's not really true. I shouldn't say that. Um, okay, there was a part of me, a part of who I identified as that used to believe that I could ignore things and then they would go away. Let's just say it like that. Even on a global scale, even on a larger scale. Well, that's ignorance, right? That was what I was talking about. That was ignorance. And I feel like it's healthy to uh, admit your ignorance, you know? But it's not healthy to, like down talk yourself like be hard on yourself like oh wow, i was so fucking ignorant i should have known better really there's no point in saying that because it is what it is right so perhaps i'm still very ignorant who knows you know <laughs> who the fuck knows and and who cares really who cares um I, for one, I really don't care anymore about that. Uh, um, but I do care about being aware. And so that's the point, though, because the point of it all is that you can be aware of what's happening around you. You can be aware of the state of the world without taking it on as your responsibility to save it, to change it to reform it, to regroup it. You can be aware of the pain and the suffering happening, but really the suffering that is happening, um, I mean, this might sound weird, but it's truly also an assumption because who knows, really who knows? Like how can one individual expression of humanity truly... Um, measure something and know that it is true it can be true on a larger scale if everybody's buying into that truth um but you know you don't have to suffer to be poor like i'm saying there's 
There's a lot of people that, that live day by day on very small amount of food, very small amount of money, and uh, perhaps to an outsider, to a Westerner, extreme um, measures, or even what some Westerners would call poverty, but they still live in bliss, they still live in harmony, and they still are very, 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 very much in an equilibrium state, where they feel wealthy, where they are healthy, where they feel rich and abundant, where they are in flow because everything is flowing for them. They don't need to change anything. The moment it gets weird is when somebody else comes in and tells you that you need to change, tells you that you don't have enough, tells you that you need this and that and this and that and all these extra vices to feel better, that there's an opportunity to feel even better than you're doing now. And somebody that doesn't know what better even means and purchases that truth, buys into that lie or that creates that lie as a truth will then cause disharmony to the harmony that is occurring. So that was, um, that was an interesting take on uh, something that just came up randomly. And now I will go and pee. Um, I guess I will post this as a pod and I thank you for listening. And uh, I hope to talk to you soon again. Much love, Eva. Oh, yeah, and this was the New Earth Transmissions. Ah. <sighs>